Tuesday with Tamika. Thank you guys for yet another episode of, of tuning in, of joining the conversation where you guys already know what it is. We believe in lifting as we climb, living a life to inspire and not impress, and uh, turning our trials into treasures. Today is a very, very special episode for Tuesday with Tamika. Can you guys say international? This is definitely a milestone for the podcast. We have an international guest. This is, I mean, nothing but the grace and favor of God. I am super, super excited about this podcast today, but let me give you a little backstory about eight years ago, I did um, a study or a teaching for my ch the church that I was in attendance of at that time. And I talked to them about bridging the generational gap. So I had lots of research and lots of study. Of course, nothing even close to what our amazing guest is going to have today. But I was teaching them about the importance of building bridging the gap, because I'm sure all of us can agree that there is definitely a gap in the way millennials like myself think and the way maybe baby boomers or Gen Y, Gen X, Gen, I mean, I don't even know all the, the generations, but my guess is going to definitely break it down. There is this gap, right? And I believe that God wants us to bridge those gaps and learn how to talk to one another, learn how to work with one another, and learn how to really just continue to live a life to inspire and not impress. And we can only do that if we know a little bit about each other. So I was speaking to my guest a little bit before the recording and I was telling her it's it's amazing how things are full circle. So I'm not sure if any of you that are listening believe in coincidences, but I don't. I believe that everything, every, everything happens for a reason. And so me doing that study eight years ago prepared me for today's study or today's talk, today's uh, podcast. So I don't want to belabor the time. Like I really want to jump into this. This is Man, I, I just feel like honored. I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where I really want you guys to get your notes out, get your pens out and be prepared to take notes because my guest, first of all, she's a doctor. She has she has the receipts behind her name. She has done the work. Uh, she has over three decades of experience in this work that we're getting ready to dive into. She is a professor at the university. And can I tell you, I have not even told you guys where my guest is coming in from. She is all the way from India, international. Woo! I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this guest. Um, I want her to really dive in to her bio. She is a mother. She is a wife. She has really uh, dove into this topic. She already has tons and tons of books sold. And our goal today is we want to push this book. We want this book in your hand. So if you are a thought leader, if you are someone that truly believes that research matters, if you're someone that believes, and I know that you do, because if you are listening to this podcast, you have a desire to learn. You have a desire to grow. And my TWT family, you guys never disappoint me. You guys support the guests that we bring on the podcast. So we're going to go ahead and bring her in so she can tell you a little bit more about herself. I just scratched the surface. I know you guys are probably there waiting eagerly on the edge of your seats to hear all the goodness that she is going to bring. So, hey, sis, you got a minute? 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 Thank you, Tamika. That was a scintillating, uh, you know, introduction of me. Uh, <laughs> that was so superb. That was so sweet. That was so uh, spontaneous. Thank you so much for that. And uh, guess what? You spoke about something called connection. And I so much believe in that. And I have even named my company, which is Vayati Systems. Now, Vayati in our native Sanskrit language, we have the, uh, the world's oldest language and that is called Sanskrit. And that language, Vayati means a cosmic connection. Mm. So what, 
more can this be but anything but a cosmic connection that I found you among so many, the seven plus billion people on this earth, and that you are the one who is giving me this opportunity, the very first, in fact, to go international with my book, which is already there on Amazon. Uh, but speaking about it, this is the first time. So Tabaka, thank you so much. And I'm so, so privileged to be on this show with you. And wow. also <laughs> yes, and the audience who may be listening to me, thank you so much for being here with us and hearing us out on this podcast. Yes. I should be you a very happy new year, a very happy 2021. And I would like to say it is happy because there are some good things that have be, been happening around the turn of the year. And uh, we have some glimmer of hope with the vaccine coming out and so many other good things that are there. And of course, the human spirit, which believes in only doing something which is good and kind of, you know, uh, kind of overcomes darkness, so to say. So I'm so happy, Tamika. Thanks a lot. Oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. You know, as you were speaking, I literally were feeling chills because I definitely believe in divine connection. And I don't believe, as I said in the introduction, that things happen um, by circumstance or or you know, just like, it just kind of happens. I believe that there's something divine, something behind us, you know, for me, it's God that definitely puts us all together. So thank you. Thank you for this first international experience for both of us. Yes. I know that it's going to be a very rich conversation. So Doctor, can you tell us a little bit more just about you? I, I just really scratched the surface with your bio, but give us a little bit more depth of the work that you've done, because I definitely, as we say in America, I want to put some respect on your name. So I want people <laughs> to really understand the amount of work that you've already done. Uh, yes, thank you so much, Tamika. Uh, yes, in India, we really, really work hard. And uh, somehow, uh, my background has been such that I've had very industrious parents, and they have always given us the values of hard work. And so we never, ever, uh, uh, ever feared that hard work is uh, something that uh, we need to fear about, to run away from. We always met that fair and square. And definitely hard work pays at the end of the day. We are able to do much more work than what we would have done if we would have shirked it. So this is basically a value which has been given to us by our previous generation. And we took that. And uh, in my life, I, you can see I have done a, a lot many things, put in a work day, which was on an average, nothing less than 10 to 12 hours, and even wow. managed my home and managed my relations. Because in India, we are very community driven. So we do have uh, very close relations with our relatives and extended families and friends and communities, and we work closely with each other. So I used to find time for community and family and friends also. In the meantime, I did a lot of research. I put myself through, um, I was already a postgraduate uh, with a uh, degree in ma um, business administration. Uh, but after that, when my two kids were born and they were in school, I put myself through a, a PhD. And um, that's the time I was working in, a, in, in the university and I was working with my students and it was a very growing uh, kind of a, a, a program and there are more and more and more people who were enrolling. So I had my duties in the, in, at the university having left a corporate job and in India at that time, corporate jobs were very, very demanding. So we had to, on an average, you can say, for the last 33 years, except one year now for the past year, the COVID year, I have been putting in not less than 10 to 12 hours of work every single day and over weekends also. And then, of course, at the end of the, uh, the day, I'm a very satisfied person where I've done a good deal of research. I have uh, published in international journals. I have had good, uh, a good run with my students. I've won, um, I've been awarded with the Best Teacher Award and uh, Research Excellence Award. And, uh, you know, also worked for the institution as an institution builder. So uh, taken the name of our university far and wide, had international collaborations and so on and so forth. So at wow. some point in time, I thought I should now start my own little firm, become an entrepreneur, and also fulfill my life's dream of writing books. 
So this is my debut book, uh, the first commercial book. So you can say I'm an entrepreneur now. And uh, I have uh, presented uh, the case of the millennials to the world, so, so to say. So this is a little bit of brief about me. And I really, really love to work where no one uh, trades, you know. So pioneering projects is something I love to conceive, design, and deploy. So this, I'm known to work in sticky conditions. I, you give me a problem and I go run with it, you know. So I just simply love to do that. And I love to connect with people. So mm. I, uh, all this popularity in India and abroad that I enjoy is only because I, I stretch myself for the human being. Because I do believe that a human being is the only one who can evolve. Otherwise, we would have been dinosaurs. Yeah. So we can change. And that's the best part. That no matter what you are and where you are in life, you can change. You know, so this is that one thing that drives me and keeps me, uh, you know, keeps me immersed with all things human. So I, this is how I have been, and thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is, you've said a mouthful, and it's truly a test to the human spirit. You know, to be able to work 10 to 12 hours a day and then still enjoy community you are definitely a living as example of living a life to inspire and not impress and i am taking notes and i am finding inspiration in just who you are as a person so i again i want to thank you let's go ahead and jump into the interview so I, I heard you briefly mention your book, um, which is all about millennials. Uh, tell us what even um, prompted you to embark on the research with millennials. Good question, Tamika. Uh, I have always wanted to write a book. It has been a very, very uh, strong desire, which was being put off because of my administrative and teaching duties and researching duties at the university. So it was always a choice between writing a research article or working on a book. So I would choose the former over the latter. But then there was a time where I came to a point where I could not push this feeling further, you know, away from me and postpone it. And I just had decided I had to have this, this choice that I had to make. So it was more like an epiphanic uh, moment where uh, I was sitting in, uh, you know, on a beach in Greece and I was on my own vacation and I was trying to get a hang about what I want to do with my life, you know, the remainder of my work life and the rest of my life. And I just thought that I must now fulfill and tick off that one thing in my bucket list, which is writing a book. So I just went ahead and did that. I returned from the vacation and the next day I resigned, you know. I said, now this is going to be my calling and this is going to be what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. So I then began toying with the idea of what book would is close to my heart and where can I do the best justice? I mean, I have... I have been a serious uh, journal uh, writer, as I said, and research um, papers and, you know, monographs and all this kind of serious uh, trade related. My basic calling comes from, as I said, applying management theory to the built environment. So the built environment talks of infrastructure, construction, real estate, and that's where I have been working and uh, providing all uh, my efforts uh, in terms of coming up with new ideas and new research uh, themes. But I wanted to write a book which was not a trade-related book. It was something that was dear to my heart. And what other subject could have, it just one day cropped up that I want to speak about millennials. That whole cohort, which I had raised at home personally, I have my two own unbridled millennials, as I call them, <laughs> in my uh, two boys. And uh, I had this whole set of uh, thousands of them at the university uh, whom I was teaching and uh, interacting with professionally. So I thought that they were the best generation to be written about. So it is basically logically an immersion in all things millennial for the greater part of my life. So after that, of course, I also began to think a little deeper and I realized that we, there was a growing need to understand what the future of this generation would be like 
And this is the generation you will agree with me, Tanmika, which is going to take charge of all our world's institutions, mm-hmm. whether governmental or non-governmental. So we need to have the strobe light on them. And finally, uh, to keep it short, I I had that feeling that I need, I was the one who could intermediate between the preceding and the succeeding generation so that you know there would be a better understanding so mm-hmm. that these transitions from the senior generation to the succeeding generation would be perhaps a lot more smoother. And that's what made me write and choose this topic of millennia. Wow. I, I definitely appreciate your work as a millennial, you know, and I'm at the very <laughs> beginning of the millennial train. I am, um, I was born in 1980 and, you know, there's right. so much negative narrative around millennials. You know, we hear, oh, they're lazy, they're quitters, they're this, they're that, you know, so I truly appreciate the fact that you have highlighted um, who we, you know, that it's not all negative, you know, we have our struggles, but we're just different, you know? So I, I want us to really, because I don't believe in um, pointing out negatives in any of the generations, you know, I believe that we all have our excellent qualities and then we all have our areas, our opportunities of growth, I want to call it, right? <laughs> so can I you- I so agree with you. Yes. Yes. So spot on. <laughs> yes. Can we start by, for even the listeners that may be listening and they're thinking, well, what are the different generations that are still, you know, living that we're interacting with every day. Can you kind of start by just breaking that down for a bit, if you would? Sure. Thank you so much. It's it's a good question because you will, uh, it will help you to know that on this earth at the moment, there are five generations that, you know, are found even in the workplace. I will not take generation which starts at 2020 because they are just born this year and they are, you know, uh, they are at their zeroth year, so to say. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take those five generations, which began in 1900 or so, and that was the generation which came into adulthood just after the uh, World War One, And, you know, this was co- what we call the great generation in the US. So all the generations, Generations and their study basically can be uh, attributed to one uh, organization, uh, uh, the Pew Research, as we know. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones who actually coined the uh, terms, you know, uh, and generational studies, because this was very important that the church remains immersed and engaged with the different uh, generations that it was serving. So it all began in the US, as we all know. But now these terms... uh, definitely millennials is now a very global thing and that's it's it's from there that really uh, the globalization of this generation and its uh, nomenclature has begun because we don't have a great generation equivalent here let's say or in india or in the asian uh, continent we have similarities but if we were to put them in a, a chronology then they don't exactly match the chronology that was first given and the and the label that was first given in the US. Mm-hmm. So this is one thing we need to understand. But yes, the great generation was also the GI generation, as they call it, where government housing um, the, uh, was very uh, common because after the World War One, there was this great depression. There was a Spanish flu before that. And it was a very, very tough time for this particular generation when it came into adulthood because it came into adulthood, say, around 1920, and that's the time of the Spanish flu. And soon after, there was the Great Depression. So they didn't really get a chance to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, amass wealth and Mm. uh, make more assets than they had, uh, because um, it simply got wiped away. And there was very high degree of uh, unemployment in 1939. So uh, uh, we talk of what are the characteristics of uh, this generation? I won't go too much into the details, but you will be surprised to know that this was nothing, but uh, it was very optimistic. It had something which uh, we call a dogged determination. These were people who had a lot of team spirit. They were values driven. They were religious. They, they also believed in the bigger is better philosophy, you know. Mm. So if you see during this time, we have those large 
Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies like General Electric, General Motors, General Foods, General Mills, Kraft, Godfrey Phillips, the AT&T Bell, all these kind of came around that time and became big also around this time uh, when, uh, you know, the, uh, the great generation uh, came into adulthood. So there was some employment that was being created by these very, very large uh, organizations. But of course, at that time, uh, they were also hit by the Great Depression. Then, of course, after the great uh, generation came the silent generation. Now, this generation was someone who had uh, came into adulthood after 1920 and uh, during the World War II. So obviously, again, soon after the Great Depression, the World War um, II and the scarcity and rationing, the increase in, uh, and you know, soon after the, uh, there was this increase in birth rate in the US, so to say. Mm -hmm. There was also an, an increase in education. Why? Because so many of the people, for some reason, they felt that, you know, this is a very human thing that after a famine, you tend to have more children when there is a little bit of, uh, when you overcome the famine and there is a little bit of prosperity. Mm -hmm. This is the survival instinct of human beings. So you could see this, that the silent generation, you had an increase in the birth rate. So what were the characteristics of this generation? They were pretty hardworking. They were very obedient because see, they went through scarcity and rationing. So they knew the value of, you know, being together uh, to be uh, working somewhere, to have employment, to get their food on the table every single day. So they were more obedient, cooperative, they were loyal. They also preferred to work with a large organization. They had a lot of willpower because they went through tough times in the US, as I said, the depression and so on. They were young at that time when the depression was happening. But they, had, they, 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 uh, they went through it with their parents. But on the same, at the same time, they had very strong work ethics. They were thrifty. They did not spend too much. They did not waste resources, but they were very tech challenged. Mm. So this was the silent generation. Then came the baby boomers around 1950 to 1964. We had this uh, whole generation of baby boomers where there were post-war, everything just seemed to change for the US, you know? Uh, if you see in that cohort, you will see that there were changing social values. There was there was the civil rights movement, you know, led by, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, Dr. Martin Luther King. Yes, and mm -hmm. there were so many things that were happening which were changing the constitution of the U.S. in favor of uh, you know equality and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, there was, of course, the nuclear weapons and the proliferation of nu nuclear weapons. But alongside that, there was also the world peace movement, which was through the United Nations and all. We tried to bring the world together and to, you know, um, uh, heal the wounds of uh, post-war wounds of so many countries. And of course, there was the end of colonialism, though America was never involved in colonialism. It did have its effects on uh, the growth of America as an economic superpower. Then we had, of course, the Cold War, where uh, the world became almost bipolar. But India, of course, stood non-aligned and had its own set of followers also. Mm -hmm. Then uh, this particular generation gave even further opportunities, uh, educational opportunities to the people. And also, as I said, Martin Luther King and everybody tried to work towards uh, the, uh, you know, giving voice to the people of America to be more equal. So yes. this is something that was very significant with the baby boomers. And then the women stepped into the workforce like never before in bigger numbers. And there was a decline in the birth rate because women stepped into the workforce in bigger numbers, in larger numbers. So what were the characteristics of this generation? They were very hardworking, but they were very self-assured and independent. They were competitive. They were goal-centric. They were very resourceful. They were mentally focused. And of course, they believed in teams, but they were independent thinkers. And so liberal thought, independent thought, individualism was rampant. It was, they became the universal and terminal values of the people. They were disciplined also, and they, were, they believed in self-actualization. 
So this was what the baby boomers were uh, characterized by. After that came Generation X. I belong to the Generation X. That began from 1965. I'm actually at the cusp. I, I uh, you know, I, I'm somewhere between a baby boomer and a Generation X. Mm -hmm. And this is characterized, this generation is characterized by a further decline in the birth rate, a huge technological revolution that took place. There were nuclear families. There was a shift from manufacturing to the service economy. The higher and fired policies came in, and alongside that, the unions also came in. We, had, we can talk about the flower power. We can talk about the after effects of the Vietnam War, you know, which gave rise to a, a, a highly uh, uh, strained relations between the youth of America and their seniors. You know, we know about all this. So, what was Generation X characterized by? They were they wanted work life balance. They were tech-friendly people. They are rather, they are still uh, in the workforce. They are tech-friendly. They love work-life balance. They're individualistic. They are flexible also. And they're less loyal to companies. They're very wealthy as compared to uh, their succeeding generation, which is the millennials. And they're pretty cynical about things also. So these, these are the characteristics of Generation X. In fact, the first tech-friendly generation one can say is Generation X. Generation Y, which is the mil millennials, only builds on this, um, you know, this basic uh, instinct towards technology. Yes, it was mecha mechanical technology, it was computer technology then, the, I, but yes, we were the ones who promoted. So we have the Bill Gates of this world, we have, you know, um, uh, Dell, Michael Dell, mm. and so on, who are, uh, you know, the Gen X uh, stroke uh, on the baby boomer side, who are you know, the ones who actually put tech together for mm. the whole world as a global idea. Mm -hmm. Then we, of course, have the millennials. Uh, they are very tech-oriented. They have the greatest shared experiences ever that humankind had witnessed. So they, are they have a lifelong access to digital platforms. They are connected 24 by 7. But they also, like the great generation, have gone through the terrible great financial crisis, as it is said, of 2008. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has kind of, and before that, of course, there was the 9-11 um, in the US, which sent US into a bit of a recession in yeah. the early part of the, uh, of the decade, of the millennial decade. So soon after that came 2008, and since then, it has just been very, very tough for them, followed by the pandemic last year yeah. so we are talking about a generation which now stares at less remuneration very high student debt and therefore is postponing marriages is moving in with the parents and uh, very high rates of unemployment but if you see their characteristics they are pretty special as a generation because they're the first ones who were the ones who grew up with the internet you may not have had it when you were born, for instance, Tamika. In the yeah. 80s, there was no internet, but as soon as you went into school or you could understand a bit, you were then dealing with it. You know, mm -hmm. you had a personal phone and you could, you know, we had access to personal phones. They had become very uh, commonplace in the US by then, late 80s and so on. And of course, the internet arrived at your doorstep. So you were sheltered. You were confident, you were team-oriented, but you're conventional and mm -hmm. you're highly stressed and you're also achievers. So <laughs> here is a generation which, is, which seems so, uh, so uh, you know, in contradiction with, uh, you know, within itself, so to say. And then, of course, we have the next generation, which is Generation Z. And this generation uh, is just coming, is just entering into the... Uh, uh, into the workplace because they, that is a generation around 1996 onward. So mm. we have the uh, millennials from 1980 to around 1995 and then we have the generation Z more or less and only following the Pew uh, uh, research for this and their definitions because there are so many others that are available but I prefer to go with just one for the, mm -hmm. sake, of, the sake of ease uh, in understanding. 
Now, so this generation Z is what we call the digital natives. It, it, it has very weird ideas about being connected globally. They believe in, you know, things like climate change and natural resources uh, should not be depleted, that we should uh, be, stay connected and use a structured way of life. And they are very high on tech entrepreneurship. So you will see that they come up with apps like this, you know, they're mm. into coding, they're into app making, they're, you know, right from school, they're into all this. So they have grown up also with a lot of diversity. So unlike any other, just a little, uh, uh, a little more than say Generation X, the millennials, but this generation believes and lives in a very, very, and grows up in a diverse family. Mm -hmm. You can have same-sex marriages and I'm being raised by a same-sex couple. I can have, a, a you know, a, an ethnic, uh, ethnically different, yeah. um, uh, you know, a parent and I will still be okay with it. I can be with one foster sibling and one uh, real sibling and I can still be okay with it. And so this is a, a generation which is completely diverse in its uh, in its in the way it has been brought up and they believe in social media as their voice mm. so typically you may not find these uh, little ones speaking to their parents but they will be loud and clear on the social media yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so they are very independent self-confident autonomous they're highly competitive exactly like the baby boomers they are pretty competitive and they need immediate feedback. They are skeptical also. That's, a, uh, a, you know, a characteristic of Generation X. They are financially focused, unlike the millennials. They want stability, they, but they embrace change. And they like these very big issues like climate change, life success, innovation. And we have a Greta Thunberg and so many like her, you know, who lead the pack of what mm -hmm. we call Generation Z. So I hope I have made this uh, easy, simple, because generations are like links in a chain. You know, I have yes. said this at the beginning of the book. I will say more about it later, of course. But uh, so you see how these generations kind of cyclically, they resemble one another or, you know, those large social or economic or political events, they shape their uh, thinking, you know. So yes. they get... It's a, it's a collective uh, psyche that they develop due to the events and in, uh, that, you know, that uh, they go through in life together as a nation. Yeah, so, you know, this, this is so, um, wow. Like I, I, I want to see you on a TED talk or on, you know, a YouTube <laughs> video because this is such good information. And as you're talking, I could literally visualize the different generations and the things that they went through and then i'm also thinking of like you said this um the uh generations of the babies that are born now you know it's it's amazing to me how what we've experienced last year in 2020 is going to affect and it's almost like that generation is going to mirror the um great generation because of the things right. that we've you know we've suffered as you know then it was a country because it was america but now it's globally right so it's things that we've suffered um as a world with the pandemics and the racial injustices it's almost like a full circle like everything is going right back around to where it stopped the differences is you know technology and we have greater resources and we have these things but it, it truly yes. makes sense of why we behave and we act the way that we act as you were talking me being on the cusp of the millennials and then also Gen X, I was thinking of, you know, not only the great, the, you know, what happened in uh, 20 a.m., um, 2008, but also the Y2K and the racial injustices yes. that we saw here globally. I remember turning on the news and seeing like the first police brutality that was publicized and all these things. So it makes sense of why, you know, our thinking is shaped. Like our thinking is truly shaped by the things that we experience. And all That's of these right. generations, you know, we kind of butt heads and we go against one another when in reality, if we were just to understand one another. So this, to me, this podcast is so informative and so needed because people need to understand why we operate the way we operate. Another thing that you said that really stuck out 
is I have children that are in obviously the generation behind me. So that's generation Y. Am I right? Generation Y? That would be generation Z. Generation, generation Y Z. is the millennials. Okay. Are, okay. Yes. Okay. So generation Z and, you know, we can be in the same home um, and they'll text me something or they'll send yes. me something. They'll send me something on uh, social media. They'll inbox me. And I'm thinking you're in the next room, but you know, like you said, this is the way that they communicate. So it makes me, instead of, you know, for parents that are millennials and we're more like, we want that connection or we want, and our children may, um, because they're generation Z, they're gonna, this is their way of connecting. So it's not that they're being disrespectful. It's not that they're not honoring you or treasuring your time. This is how they're connecting with you. So I loved how you broke all of that down. And then it also helps me understand, you know, my parents, because they're, you know, their whole foundation is work hard and stay where you, you know, yes. work for years where millennials, we, you know, if we get upset about a job, we'll quit. We'll just walk away yes. and we'll get another job. You know? That's so, true. <laughs> so I love this. This is so, so such good information. So I want to know, I want to get into some of the fun research because I can only imagine just with your personal personality. You're, you're such a light, you know, you, you have this, uh, light, um, about you to where people are almost, it's almost magnetic where people are, are drawn to you. I can tell. So what was some of the fun research or some of the like surprising things that you learned as you were, um, embarking in your research with millennials, what's something that may be shocking or that you're like, Oh, I didn't think of <laughs> Oh, yes. I mean, I had this one millennial last year who just moved out in the month of August. And uh, I, one day, you know, I was very excited and I said to him, son, I'm going to write a book on y'all, you know, you know, you guys are like this and you guys are like that. And he just gave me one look, such a derisive <laughs> look and said, who said I'm like that? <laughs> so it was like, so, sorry, aren't you a millennial? Don't you think like this? Isn't that what represents you? And he says, no, I'm not like that. I don't think I'm a typical millennial, you know? So yes. uh, this was the first kind of, you know, uh, a bit of cold water that got splashed on my face. But that was what also got me thinking that if I tend to generalize this, how difficult it will be for those who cannot identify with everything that I would label them with, you know? Mm -hmm. So that got me thinking. And you have a chapter on global millennials in the book, Millennials Poised to Lead, where I have actually written about the differences across the globe over the continents and certain countries. I've given a lot many examples to uh, I've belabored on the fact that there are some similarities, but there are also some differences among mm. the millennials. So, you know, this was kind of a shock. I was super excited and, you know, he just kind of brought me back on earth and said that. Oh, you know, with well. you with with you saying that, I feel like that may even be a millennial trait. Like we don't want to be generalized. We don't want to be classified. <laughs> we all, although we probably have a lot of similarities, we want to be individuals because our parents were, were kind of all like this clone of one another. Like yes. everyone did everything the same way. So it's almost yes. like our freedom to say, no, we're not like everyone. And in actuality, when you kind of hone in, we have more similarities than we do differences. But because of that being one of our major traits, we'll push against being categorized true. or we'll push against being generalized. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Because so that became a sobering uh, kind of uh, 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 an aspect for me that I have to be careful when I write this book because I need to not, uh, uh, you know, not represent them like perhaps what the earlier generation, uh, the earlier researchers have done. And yeah. uh, they are not at all happy by being uh, boxed in as lazy and entitled and less uh, low on work ethics and less yes. loyal and low on professionalism. They would not like to be called like that. 
So I, uh, that kind of worked for me as a little bit of a, uh, you know, speed breaker. And in fact, that chapter was uh, a result of that. And that happened with one or two others also. I did my little research when I said I'm writing about millennials. So two, three very important people who are millennials and are working with uh, the gen new generation wrote back saying that, ma'am, sorry, but I don't completely subscribe to uh, what is said about the millennials. So my book talks of that also. Then I, because it is an intergenerational perspective, I thought that I should look inward myself. Mm. You know? That's so, good. You know, there is that saying, and there is uh, something that we study and uh, learned when we were, we had a song in school that said, if you point a finger at your neighbor, there are three more pointing back at you. So yes. obviously yes. I needed to look inward and to really decide whether just labeling millennials was uh, a very appropriate thing to do because it is we who have brought them up and the book mentions this, that if we have brought them up the way they have been brought up by us as independent, tech-friendly individuals who were latchkey kids, you know, yes. because women were working and there were, as I said earlier, there were more women in the workforce and we were so, uh, so clued in to giving them the best. We called them our prince and princesses and we limited the number of children we had so that we could give them the very best of education, the very best of you know, uh, 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 the comforts in life and so on. So we are the ones who actually brought them to that level where they began to feel very confident about themselves and they carried themselves in that manner. And we gave them a voice, even in the decisions at home, where we said that, okay, if we were to buy a car, which one would you want to buy? And they were part of that decision-making. Mm -hmm. Unlike me, where we were never really, uh, you know, uh, uh, taken into consideration a car just came uh, into the house one day or a refrigerator just came into the house you know we were not asked whether you want this brand or that brand or this type or that type and this color or that color we right. were never asked. you know it was just handed down to us as a decision but we didn't do that with our kids we involved them and we uh, planned uh, our uh, travels together our, uh, you know holidays together and so on and so forth so they were used to being consulted mm -hmm. and then they go into, into organizations which are top down or which only you know uh, uh, kind of don't go deeper when it comes to giving them their uh, uh, you know their uh, spontaneity their independence they were so used to it. So we needed to ask this question. And I have done that in the book. So if they are, millennials are the product of how the earlier generations have brought them up, shouldn't we be looking at this before we label them? That became yes. a surprise information, which I, you know, it came to me while writing the book. So, and there were so many contradictions, you know. So here on the one hand, we are saying this about them. And actually, we have brought them up in a rather different manner. Yes. So I had to deal with these uh, contradictions also at a larger level, at the country level, at the national level, where the most highly educated generation of, this, of humanity also has high student debt mm. and is also least wealthy. Yeah. You know? Wow. You know, and then it's, it's um, yeah. as you're talking, I'm just thinking of the um, how we the biases, you know, of course, being in this generation, I have my own set of biases, but I, yes. I can only imagine the other generations looking outward, looking inward, you know, where they, yes. they and I, I think that that's how we all view the world is through our own set of biases people want to say that they're non-judgmental or they don't but it's human nature it's human nature to be a little judgmental and to have these biases because it's your own experience right it's what you've experienced as a human so I, I thank you so much for that introspective work and looking inward and saying okay am I projecting my own um lived experience on, on this generation right. 
Or yes. am I able to, you know, um, I, I have a saying uh, when I'm doing my coaching practices, I tell my, my clients, sometimes we have to take off those sunglasses that make That's things right. clouded, right? They make things shaded and we, we have to be able to be able to see clearly. And that causes a lot of introspection, which is why again, doctor, I just feel like you're such a light and you're such a gift to this planet and to this world. Let's get into the links you 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 uh, briefly started to going to that because that's definitely what I want to title the podcast is bridging the gap to, you know of generationals or the gener different yes. generations um, and a poised millennial you know so yes. I, I want to know what are the links that connect us because we could talk exhaustively about the things that. Um, separate us or our differences, but I love to, what's that, the Venn diagram? I don't know if you all use that in yes, India. Yes, Absolutely. right? So the Venn diagram, which tells us our, you know, those introspect, intersecting faces. And I know that my Tuesday with Tamika audience are probably like, oh my God, Tamika, I didn't know you were this smart. I am very smart. You guys, I have to agree. <laughs> I have to agree because the kind of questions you have thrown at me are so wonderful. And I, I'm loving this. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm really loving this too. I, I have this side of me where I really just indulge knowledge, I feel. And I think that that's also part of my generation. That's something that we do. Absolutely. Consumers. We're consumers of, of knowledge, which is why we have high student debt, you know, because we love right. uh, learning and we love knowledge. But what are some of those links that connect us? Oh, yes. You know, um, I'm sure you agree that there's a whole lot of research in this book, though it has a lot of my autobiographical stories and, you know, the uh, those kind of little, little uh, stories I have added to the book. There's a lot of research also in it, right? So uh, I've, I, when I went and delved deeper and deeper into the research, I realized that, there, that generations are so cyclical, you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, when we were growing, we didn't have too much time with our grandparents because they didn't live that long. So we couldn't see what was similar and uh, we could only see the differences. And we kept saying that, oh, granny is such a, you know, such a, <laughs> what should I say? I mean, so frozen in time and stuff yes. like that. But, you know, we didn't really realize that what is similar between the grandmother and me it's only now if I look behind and I read up and I kind of exchange notes with my friends of my generation, I realize that, okay, grannies of that time were like that only, mm -hmm. you know, so there was similarity. So it is cyclical. And then we realize that, oh my God, in these aspects, we are quite similar to our grannies. We never yeah. even knew that, you know. So uh, suffice to say that generations are also cyclical. You mm -hmm. saw that the great generation, for instance, the great generation uh, which came into adulthood in 1920, so they were 1900 to 1920, that was the time they were born. Mm -hmm. There would be some similarities of the great generation with those of the millennials, as I have quoted earlier, you know. Mm -hmm. So they are quite akin to the great generation because you saw the kind of life changing and, uh, you know, events that have buffeted this, these generations. So whether it was, you know, uh, socially, whether it was economically with those depression and uh, uh, great financial crisis, whether uh, there was a pandemic, so it was medical, you know, uh, the Spanish flu and the pandemic now, there are so many things that the great generation and the millennials have in common. Yes. And if you see the spirit, that generation was optimistic, value-driven and dogged. Yes. And so is the millennial generation. You all are full of hope. You all still see that this world will be a better place, you know, mm -hmm. and you are so much in hope and you all are so optimistic that things will change. In fact, Howard and Strauss coined this generation as the hero generation, you know, wow. uh, born to greatness, born to doing something, uh, you know, marvelous, so to say. So, uh, so I can say that G, uh, the great generation and uh, the millennials or generation Y are pretty similar. If you see that when it comes to a, a strong connect and concern for the natural environment and climate change, 
you will see that generation y which is the millennials and generation z are very very close they think like that in fact generation z has picked up this concern for uh, nature from yes. the millennials you know so they are very much akin uh, to each other in this and of course technology i don't have to say that again uh, you know several times so that's a big binder if it comes to generation z for instance it is very akin to the baby boomers you know mm-hmm. two generations before them you know and how they are very enterprising they are very individualistic they believe in self actualization and they are very entrepreneurial also so you will see this uh the surprising similarity uh, amongst the generations and the connectedness that we are talking about from one generation to another so perhaps because things are cyclical you know we all we, we and you also have done your masters and you understand that in economics there is a cycle of boom and bust and recovery and recession yes even you know the uh, daily stock exchange goes through you know the up and the down and then it repeats and then it mm-hmm. goes so everywhere we have these peaks and drops and recoveries and uh, you know that downside the recessions so if life is cyclical if everything is sinusoidal as they say if the curve is sinusoidal then our events of this world that shape our psyche are also going to be cyclical so we may resemble and that's why there are links in a chain so we may have this little bit of disconnect from one generation to another on certain matters but more or less the events that shape us keep us together and make us think in a certain manner and so you will see these differences say in the asian millennial and the the american the european millennial and the latin american the middle eastern millennial and the african there will be some differences but largely because of the internet because of the communities that are now available in the virtual realm and the connective uh, connectedness and the connectivity amongst uh, different people and we also here is that great example of connection where you are sitting at the other end of the world and i am here and we are talking which yes. i could never ever have dreamt of doing had i been in the 1970s or the 80s i would have had to just physically go across and probably write those you know have those pen pals remember yes. <laughs> we used to painstakingly write those uh, <laughs> letters to our american friends there and you know exchange gifts from here and there which used to take 3 weeks plus to reach uh, yes. there and you know it was all such a where is that snail mail and where is <laughs> i might i've forgotten it myself what about you i mean you people at <laughs> generation z so this is more or less what i wanted to say about uh, the connections for, as links in a chain Yes. Oh, that's so 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 good. I literally as you were talking, I was like, how do we get this as a Netflix special? Like, how do we get this research to Netflix for them to write a show and to have you as a because this is such vital information and I know for our documentary buffs out here that love documentaries or that love this type of, yes. you know, content, I I would love for it to be in a visual form because I I am an audio learner but I'm also very visual and maybe it's just a part of my generation that we can kind of imagine things and so as you're talking yes. I'm imagining the links of yes. those chains chains and yes. how you know talking to granny and talking to my mom and talking to yes. myself and then my my daughter talking to me and you know yes. doing a documentary of the five different generations and seeing how we're more alike than we are different and how those links actually build up on one another to make and ultimately the goal is to make this world a better place and there's my optimism right there's that gener- that millennial coming out Absolutely. believing that you know there's yes. hope and there's there's even 
with the hard things that we went through last year um, in 2020 and the things that are continuing to emerge, we have this, this hope and this, and, and it comes with community, like going all the way back to the top of the hour when we were initially talking and just the name of your company and the connection. And if we yes. learn to continue to connect and not to be divisive and not um, be and not allow the spirit of division to take over. Wow. Just imagine how much healing and how much hope can we really enter into this world? So I want to one of the, the segments of our show is the community spotlight. And I would be amiss if I did not have you th today as our community spotlight, because this has been such valuable information. So I want you to just give the audience all the places where they could purchase the book. I've already gotten mine um, and I'm super excited about the information. It, it's a definitely a page turner. The amount of research, if you are a millennial or even if you're not a millennial and you want to learn more about this generation, for me, the thing that I loved about the book is it validated who I was as a person. And then I'm also very research driven. So I think that that is the thing about millennials because we are latchkey kids, because we kind of raised ourselves in the sense of the, of the word, we, uh, we want the real, we don't want fluff, right? We don't want you to kind of tell us what you think we want to hear. We want to see the research. We want to see the evidence. And that's what I love about this book. So tell the audience where they can find you, where they can find the book and where they can continue to uh, do their own research on this uh, great information that you provided us. Thank you so much, Tamika. Uh, I'm so happy to share with you that uh, this book is available on Amazon. And uh, I'm even happier to share with you that because all of you are downloading this book and writing reviews on Amazon, I am at number 46 in social theory and number two in sociology in Kindle's door. And I'm 101 in the demography section. Wow. And I'm 700. Yes, in 65 in educational professional development, Amazon worldwide. And I think it is huge because for somebody who's an author from the other side of the world to be able to make a difference because to be number two in sociology uh, is a section, I think is something that I would never have dreamed of in the bestsellers to be among them and you know to be in that club of bestsellers. So uh, mm -hmm. thank you. Tamika, you have been uh, there and you have contributed. There are so many reviews from uh, my US uh, friends who have written, friends as in I don't know them, but now they are friends because they have written such good reviews. Yes. About the book. So, yeah, you just have to type millennials poised to lead and you will get the book there uh, on Amazon. And it is in paperback form and it is in Kindle ebook form. So in both the formats and in Kindle, of course, it is priced at uh, $3.99. And uh, in the paperback form, it is priced at $15.99. So awesome. uh, you can choose it any which way you want. Yes, and you guys already know we will have the links, all the links to her social media sites, all the links to even for you to go directly to Amazon and get the book. We will have all of that in the show notes. So man, I feel like I have literally taken a college course and I feel just like... <laughs> I feel that this has been just exactly what my brain needed. Exactly. You know, this conversation has been rich and full of just wisdom and knowledge. So our, our parting thought that we do on Tuesday with Tamika, one of the cornerstones of my beliefs is living a life to inspire and not impress. So are your parting words in five words or less, I like to challenge my audience for us to uh, kind of be able to think concisely. So in five words, words or less, what does that phrase mean to you? Living a life to inspire and not impress. Wow, Tamika. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, uh, you're telling a professor to uh, limit it to five <laughs> But, you know, professors are supposed to be, uh, you know, better, uh, you know, always a step ahead of their students. So I shall do. <laughs> and for that, I'm going to pick up the dedication page of my book. And the dedication page has only five words in it, which reads, Millennials, in you, 
we trust oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome oh man that was so rich Thank you so, so much for your time, for the work that you're doing. Um, I just want to encourage everyone, go out, get the book. The Kindle, I have the Kindle version and it's literally a page turner. Um, my husband has to tell me to put my phone down because I was just <laughs> reading it um, in the wee hours of the night because the information was- Oh, I must thank your husband, Tamika. Yeah. <laughs> Please thank him from me. <laughs> I will, I definitely will. I just want to thank you. And I want uh, the TWT audience, make sure that you are sharing this podcast, share it with all your millennial friends that feel down, that feel like, you know, they, they have bought into the narrative that has been spoken about us. Share this podcast with them to give them that hope. Share it on your social media site. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share it on Twitter. Share. Remember to go over to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast, listen to the podcast, review the podcast. Make sure that you are continuing to live a life to inspire and not impress. Make sure you are turning your trials into treasures and make sure that you are lifting as you climb. Thank you guys so much for yet another wonderful episode. And I want you guys to continue, continue to have hope. Love you, miss you. Bye-bye.